Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Every company has a story to tell, from the small startup to the large enterprise, and everything in between. This is one of them. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco. Sean. When was the last time you... uh pretended to be a DJ and started scratching your, your records. I think, I think you, you probably cherish them though. You probably don't actually get it. I don't, I try not to scratch the records, <laughs> especially, you know, I, I don't consider myself much of a, of a collectionist, but, uh, you know, I try, you know, so I'm yeah. not going to scratch it. And I'm definitely not a DJ. I've never done that. <laughs> so, um, we've had conversations with DJs, but the, the reason I bring that up is, I mean, yeah, there's, tell me the reason. There's, there's technology <laughs> in, uh, in in an album, right? And the needle, and obviously the sound that comes through that. And, and people got creative and essentially hacked the records, right, to mm. make new sounds and and eventually mixing them together with different uh, sounds and speeds. I, and, I see where you're going. Yeah. So yeah. you're saying that maybe there is a technology that's been around for a while, but there are other ways to use it, more creative right. way to use it, more criminals way to use it, maybe? <laughs> well, you can, however you choose to use it uh, is up to you. But uh, I guess my point, first point is you can hack a record, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but then records, clearly they still exist, but they didn't, they didn't stick around as the, the mainstream right now. Now there are, oh, the, the CDs took, took over at some point now we have spotify but that didn't that didn't get rid of the dj right mm. and then the scratching and the hacking of of the music so new technologies came in as well and uh so my point of this is just because there's a technology there doesn't mean you're free from or an old technology that's not in wide use doesn't mean you're you're free from uh the, the bad things that can happen from it and new technologies just bring new ways for people to get creative in how they uh, they manipulate it, and uh, as you pointed out, Marco, it could be good, good or bad how they do hey, it. You know, just to start getting into the focus on the conversation, we're not talking about music, although we do love to talk about music. We're talking about something that is a, a, a dark side of creativity. It's the one that the criminal use. So, and we're talking about yes. Uh, Let's say an old technology, not maybe as old as vinyl, but you know, old <laughs> for cybersecurity, uh, uh, chronological time. Let's say, and uh, but but it's still around, and uh, it's 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 different now. So we're talking about DDoS attack. Yes, this distributed denial of service for those uh, who I presume everybody knows who's listening to us, but there may be some who don't know what the the DDoS stand for: denial, distributed denial of service. And thankfully, Marco, uh, we're not going to talk about music. We're going to talk about that, and we don't know enough about that. So we have a good friend on to uh, help us understand this a little bit better, the old and the new of uh, DDoS attacks and ransomware and all the other fun stuff that comes with it. David Elmale from uh, Imperva, thanks for uh, joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Um, we, we had a, a tease of it the other day as we were preparing, and there's so much to cover. Uh, and the first order of business to dig into is who is David? And uh, what have you been up to? What's your role at Imperva? Well, um, uh, I'm leading the uh, Edge uh, Network and Application Security at Imperva, um, specifically also on the DDoS product lines. Um, I've been, in fact, uh, focusing for the last, uh, I would say, 10 to 15 years on the uh, service providers and uh, networking uh, industry. Uh, lastly, before Imperva, I was, in fact, at Cisco, uh, dealing with uh, uh, intelligent mobile network optimization and automation. And 
I decided, in fact, to move to uh, uh, the cybersecurity space. And uh, DDoS is, uh, I would say, the perfect uh, place to be there because it combines, I would say, uh, both uh, networking and uh, network uh, skills, but as well, you know, the security side in order to uh, uh, you know, protect uh, the uh, customer's assets and infrastructure. So, David, I mean, we, we were having fun with the music, and I'm sure at the beginning people didn't know what we were talking about. And, and as Sean said, probably a lot of people listening to this, they, they know what uh, DDoS is. But uh, from your perspective, we don't need to understand what it is, but to do understand what has become. So in few words, why are we still talking about it? This is a, a very good question. In fact, Marco, as you mentioned, this is uh, something uh, I would say uh, not new. DDoS has uh, has been quite for quite uh, some time. In fact, in the news, uh, I would say that um, this is, uh, although uh, something which has uh, constantly evolved, um, the techniques of the uh, attacks to uh, target uh, customers have been uh, evolving and taken advantage of uh, new technologies. So we were mentioning, in fact, uh, uh, during uh, uh, the introduction about the old technologies, but in fact, I would say that DDoS has leveraged um, the evolution of the technology in order to, uh, I would say, perform much stronger and much smarter attacks, uh, which are becoming now uh, bigger threats to customers. So that's why we see, in fact, more and more uh, DDoS as part of uh, the cybersecurity threat landscape. Uh, we do see, uh, you know, large DDoS attacks on the network layer and the application layer on different industries that can be from, I would say, the uh, online gaming, uh, you know, classical enterprise and corporates in the uh, financial services, healthcare. Uh, this is all over the place, really. And that's, again, thanks to, I would say, the evolution of the technology. Of course, uh, uh, we have you know, the, uh, the the network and the application have completely evolved across the uh, past few years. And we have now new technologies such as uh, 5G, IoT, as well as art artificial intelligence, uh, but also, as I said, uh, new application uh, design, which are uh, basically providing more and more opportunities for attackers uh, to perform DDoS attacks. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to spend some time looking at the the technologies on both sides because clearly uh, there's vectors in to to uh, attack mm -hmm. and or maybe yeah the, the the technology used to attack and then the technologies that are being attacked <laughs> which are two different things but before we do that i, I want to get a sense of how this has evolved as a let's just say it, the problem for organizations um uh, clearly, there's a design or a, a meaning for these criminals to attack an organization, to take it down. Uh, but we've seen things like ransomware, ransom DDoS, right? Where perhaps they don't actually even do the deed, but they hold the company ransom. So what are some of the other trends you're seeing with DDoS that uh, can kind of paint a picture for what's going on? How big is this problem? Are there any industries, you mentioned a few, but are any industries that are more prone or targeted than others? Uh, yes, definitely. So um, in terms of, uh, I would say, you mentioned a very good one related to ransom uh, DDoS. This is uh, something which has, I would say, emerged back uh, end of 2020. And we have seen uh, since then uh, four or fifth waves of uh, ransom DDoS. Uh, this is, I would say, uh, an interesting technique, um, as you mentioned rightly, where the attackers are uh, uh, basically threatening um, the organization for DDoS attacks, which can, you know, bring uh, the service to a complete downtime and uh, stop uh, the uh, availability and the business continuity for uh, the customer. Uh, and we are also seeing um, different kind of attacks. Um, related, for example, to uh, geopolitical, geopolitical situations, sorry, uh, such, you know, as the evolution now of the, uh, of the war in, uh, in uh, Europe, 
Uh, so we see a lot of attacks, for example, related to uh, uh, Ukrainian uh, sites or Russian sites and infrastructure as well. Um, there are also significant uh, uh, industries, you know, where um, the business side is very important, such as uh, uh, supply chain and also uh, uh, gaming industries. Uh, of course, the, the interest of, uh, I would say, of the uh, business and the strong potential to get um, reward for the attackers on these industries uh, is a strong motivator for them to launch uh, attacks on, on these kind of uh, verticals. Uh, they can launch it based on ransom, but also, uh, I would say, uh, just as uh, um, standard DDoS attacks, which can last for uh, quite some time. In fact, uh, we do see a, a strong evolution in terms of the uh, frequency and the duration and the repetition of the attacks. So, you know, uh, attackers really uh, repeating the attack in order to, to uh, make as much as possible impact on this business and, uh, for example, that can be competition, you know, just when there is, a, for example, as I said, a, uh, online gaming or uh, uh, retail e-commerce to stop the competition from uh, getting the business. This is quite powerful. Uh, and uh, this is uh, also something that we will discuss maybe later on. But to launch this kind of attacks is uh, quite, I would say, uh, easy, in fact, for uh, to put in place. So... Yeah, and I want, I want to pause you quickly, David, um, because we, we've had some other conversations with Improv, and it's not, not all of them have been related to DDoS, but they do, a lot of the things we discussed have an impact on business. Bots, for example, uh, may not take a service down, but can prevent a service from functioning like it's supposed to uh, for those who it's supposed to function uh, for. <laughs> Um, so just an example, bots, uh, buying products before the general public can get to them. Right. Uh, and then perhaps reselling them for, on, on the black market for more money. The point I'm making there is that things happen that you don't always have control over. Um, bots in my perspective seem to be a little more manageable, um, because there's some, some connection being made there, some authentication or some connection between one or more entities taking place. DDoS, on the other hand, seems a little more difficult to get my hand, hands wrapped around and my head wrapped around in terms of uh, how to protect against it. Because, And I mentioned this the other day that just like you can't stop somebody from uh, suing another entity, right? Um, the other entity just then has to prepare themselves for that and, and deal with it. And I feel DDoS is similar to that, where you can't stop somebody from doing that attack if they want to do it. Um, so you have to be prepared for that. And I guess where I want to go with this is just this idea of, because you're talking about ransom, um, is it possible for anybody to run a DDoS attack? And... Or are a lot of these cyber criminals that are holding the companies for ransom, are they, are they calling bluff a lot of times? And if, if, the, if the companies don't pay, do they, do they actually proceed with the attacks? What do you see? Um, it's, it's a very good point. Um, I would say that to answer you know, your first question of if it is uh, easy to launch a DDoS attack, it is in fact uh, uh, quite easy. There are a lot of, you know, on the dark web or the dark net uh, tools which are available uh, that are called uh, booters or stressors in order uh, you know, to launch this kind of attacks. And this is basically tools which are uh, leveraging uh, existing botnets, uh, you know, which are made of uh, infected uh, you know, devices. Remember, as we discussed previously, we have uh, not only, I would say, uh, computers and servers, but we have also cameras, for example, which were used by uh, you know the famous Mirai botnet, uh, and we have you know a lot of IoT devices. Anything can be used basically to launch a DDoS because um, they can send basically uh, traffic. So uh, these tools um, are available for rent for quite a, a cheap price. You know it starts from uh, really uh, five dollars for a few minutes of uh, DDoS attacks, which can be already very impacting for a business. Uh, it can go a little bit up. Of course, if we talk about, you know, the massive attacks that uh, we have uh, witnessed on our network 
for our customers, which are over 100, 500, or even one terabits, this is a bit more sophisticated and requires more uh, uh, synchronization and, uh, and uh, connectivity availability. So this is a little bit beyond that. Uh, but as you said, really, this is something which is uh, at reach for uh, most of the people to be able to disturb the business continuity of, uh, of an enterprise. So what I would like to look at, it's a, now a little bit of a bigger picture, right? Like with all that is happening in the world nowadays, we've been really understanding. I mean, not that we didn't know it before, but I think everybody's realizing that the supply chain is very complicated. And at the same time, it's very easy in a way to, to break, right? And, and you, you break that little point in the web of connection and the network and everything kind of get affected by it. So can you bring some example of how a DDoS attack nowadays, maybe even leveraging new technology can really disrupt uh, our way of life really? Uh, yes, that's uh, really the case, uh, Marco. So we have, you know, uh, seen uh, several examples uh, with uh, attacks related uh, to banks, for example, where, you know, um, it's we have seen that as part of, as I said, you know, the geopolitical situation. So a lot of banks have been targeted uh, on DDoS attacks. That's basically uh, bringing a downtime to the entire service. So for you and me, uh, that means that you cannot go uh, to check your account balance. You cannot use your application. Uh, you don't even know what's happening. Uh, and basically, that in fact creates a very interesting phenomena because when people don't understand what's going on, they are starting to go a little bit crazy and they start you know, to ping more and more basically the, the, the site of a bank. So that, that basically prevents it to come back afterwards even from the DDoS attack. So that in fact increases the problem. Uh, so that's an example you know, for, for the banks, uh, which by the end, uh, we might discuss that afterwards a bit more in detail, but that's a brand reputation damage because it basically, you know, shows that uh, you don't, you have not put in place the right defenses uh, to be able to protect uh, your infrastructure and your applications for your customers. There might be as well other attacks which have been uh, done in parallel. We talk a lot about the little smoke screen, you know, to uh, put the uh, uh, security teams, uh, I would say, uh, away from uh, more sneaky attacks which are uh, perpetrated on uh, specific uh, uh, resources and application. And that also can lead, you know, at uh, like a data breach, which can be even more, uh, let's say, uh, problematic for uh, a bank and for any company where you know, the brand reputation is very, very severely damaged. Um, another example, uh, just a quick one, is uh, something that we also discussed uh, as part of our latest uh, threat landscape report that was uh, published uh, recently is um, with a supply chain uh, uh, related to uh, you know vodka uh, uh, suppliers in Russia where in fact the, uh, there was an attack uh, perpetrated on um, uh, the shipping the services for just a few hours but that completely stopped and halted the supply for the entire company for the entire country for more than one day so you see here in fact that uh, there is always an amplification of um, the impact for the business. It's not just during the attack that there is an impact. It's really afterwards what's going to happen, how long it's going to take you to recover, uh, I would say on the security side, on the investigation, etc., but also on uh, the actual impact for the end customers, you know, the people who are actually uh, consuming, you know, these uh, goods. So let's stay here. So you mentioned that these large consequences. It also interests me a lot from a sociological perspective, this, this overreaction, right? I'm thinking like the stock market, the bad news come out and everybody goes crazy, but you have in place a certain system that can stop the trading, for example. So you avoid this escalation of, of a problem of really affecting the market. Thinking of this, I'm like... Are, are now in place because we started saying that uh, this is a problem that's been around for a long time. So apart from the evolution of the evil, how about the evolution of the of the good guys that are protecting this, the blue teams and, and, and everybody in the cybersecurity industry? 
are we doing something to prevent, see when it happened, contain it, react to it? Where are we standing with that? Uh, of course, definitely, this is, uh, you know, the evolution of the, uh, I would say, the good guys and the bad guys is, I would say, has to happen in uh, in parallel, or at least I would say uh, the good guys have have really to uh, to be uh, very fast in order to be able to protect, uh, uh, you know, from all these threats. So there has been uh, definitely an evolution. If we talk, uh, you know, a little bit in summary, uh, I would say that the uh, traditional, you know, when we talked about the old uh, records, right, the traditional DDoS was, uh, if we talk about the vinyl, right, the, the old discs, they were more like uh, around, uh, you know, the, uh, the basic firewalls, the basic routers that you, you put, uh, you know, in your uh, in your data center in order just to filter, you know, as much as you could uh, of the uh, illegitimate traffic. Afterwards, you know, we have uh, uh, seen other devices such as uh, IPS, IDS, in order to be a little bit more intelligent. Uh, but remember, we see now, I would say, really an explosion. This is really exponential. This is the technology is really growing exponentially with the uh, uh, coming of you know all these five G and IoT technologies. And now the requirements related, I would say, uh, you know, on DDoS, you have the goal is is to uh, exhaust basically the resources of a specific uh, target, and. In order to do that, uh, you know, the, the magnitude is going uh, really to, to increase. So with this traditional approach, now you have, you have, you have basically a box which is able to handle uh, something specific, but with the amount now of data which is being sent to bring it down, it's not possible to do it. So you need uh, basically to leverage something beyond. Um, from that, the evolution of the good guys was, you know, to look at, I would say, uh, uh, local networks such as uh, service providers, you know, ISPs, which have a little bit more capacity and, and are able also to absorb this kind of uh, attacks. And uh, um, they can basically provide some protection. However, this has also shown its limit since, you know, large attacks are going to be uh, uh, also impactful for their own infrastructure. And basically, the targets are becoming what we call noisy neighbors, right? So they are in fact impacting the other customers of the same service provider. Um, so now what's the, uh, I would say, the, the latest evolution? It's all about going uh, to very large global networks, not only local, but global like cloud networks. And here it's uh, about uh, leveraging the, the global capacity. And the fact that, as you rightly mentioned, uh, Shen, the attacks by nature are distributed, distributed denial of services. It means that um, they are launched on very uh, various locations across the globe. And the idea now is to mitigate these attacks by leveraging points of uh, presence, which are also distributed and that are able really to uh, uh, block all the malicious traffic as close uh, as possible to the source of the attack, wherever it's coming from, for example, Brazil or uh, USA or China, etc. So that's uh, you know an evolution related to uh, I would say the architecture of the solution, it's shifting really progressively from, I would say, the uh, on-premise approach and the box approach to something which is much bigger and running uh, in the cloud in order uh, to uh, protect, I would say, the infrastructure. Um, this is for the first part. There are also other evolutions, but I will pause here just to see if you have other questions, uh, Marco, but there are also evolution related to uh, the techniques as well that the good guys are employing in order to um, mitigate and protect. Well, I definitely want to get deeper into that. And I, I can kind of see three, three angles to take there and we'll see how we cover these. It first might be how, and you, you, you describe some of the new technologies that are being used to exploit organizations, 5G and IoT and AI are being used to conduct the attacks. I presume those same technologies are being attacked. <laughs> so maybe we can, that's one part. Uh, how, how are companies exposing themselves in new ways that they didn't before that just makes this even easier? Um, the next is what, what do you look for, right? Uh, and for signs of that might be possible or happening uh, before it scales up. And then what other ways you can, you can protect yourself. So let's start with 
with the, the exposure piece. Um, are new technologies making it easier for the bad actors to conduct these, these uh, activities? Uh, cloud and microservices, and Marco touched on the supply chain. Um, it doesn't just have to be the, the shipping company delivering the vodka where everybody stocks up on vodka because they, they don't want to miss out. But it could be a microservice that's used across many applications that gets taken down, right? And then many companies are impacted by that one denial of service. So how, how can organizations maybe recognize the exposure? And perhaps are there ways they can begin to mitigate some of that exposure just the way they, they build their uh, systems and applications and processes and whatnot? Um, so this is a, a very good point indeed, uh, Sean. Um, if we talk about, uh, I would say, the, uh, the application uh, uh, architecture, yes, there is a, a strong evolution, um, I would say, from monolithic applications to uh, uh, microservices-based uh, application and the very uh, wide usage of uh, APIs as well. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, we, we uh, at Imperva also uh, provide uh, API security and uh, we are uh, always, I would say, uh, pleased to see uh, that, you know, one of the first points that the customers, uh, when experiencing, you know, our product related uh, to API is the, I would say, about discovering the exposure, as you mentioned, because many times they are not even aware that they have so many uh, APIs and microservices exposed and which are under risk. And that's really about, I would say, again, that's the evolution which has been faster than, you know, the, what the people could cope with. And, you know, the adoption is here. Everybody says, uh, you know, we need to uh, adopt new technologies to get uh, more business uh, productivity. But security is a little bit lagging behind about, you know, the implementation of best practices. And that's why it's very important, first of all, uh, to, I would say, uh, pause and understand, okay, what is my exposure? And then having a capability here uh, to, to put uh, technology in order to identify all the API calls and the different between the different microservices and to map that for the customers and understand what is exposed and what needs to be uh, protected. So that's one, I would say, uh, first point in terms of uh, uh, best practice, I would say, for the customer. And the second one is uh, around uh, uh, putting the right uh, defenses in place. So, if, you know, for applications, uh, I would say web application standard, uh, web application firewall, as we uh, also, I would say, provide uh, at Imperva, is a, a, a very important practice and is going to be able to uh, protect, you know, from the uh, different OWASP uh, top 10 attacks, including DDoS uh, protection and DDoS attacks on the layer 7. Um, and then, you know, uh, to define for at the minimum, I would say, for APIs uh, rate limiting, but also, and here we are going to be, uh, I would say, the more advanced thing, because you asked me about, you know, what's happening, how do you define, basically, you know, the, uh, the attacks. The same, in fact, way that we have uh, machine learning uh, being used by the attackers in order to define and vary uh, across time. The time can be very short. Uh, uh, attack vectors on the same target in order really to uh, have a strong chance of being successful on the attack. On the other side, we also need to apply uh, this kind of uh, techniques and machine learning in order to identify, uh, legitimate and bad traffic. Uh, this is very, very important because, uh, you know, as part of uh, DDoS uh, mitigation, you want to make sure that the business continuity is uh, happening. So there is uh, the resources are available for your customers, but also that you are not having what we call false positives, so blocking legitimate customers, which can also have a very, very negative impact because at the end, it's going to be, uh, I would say, almost the same result if, you know, the uh, legitimate users are not able to access. In fact, the DDoS has been successful. So it's very important to have um, the possibility of distinguishing. And for that, and I will conclude here related to the machine learning. You define basically, uh, you know, different models uh, that are applied in order to identify, I would say, traffic patterns. Uh, in general, if we talk about layer three and four, 
location uh, from based on the location the tra- the, uh, the uh, services which are being run on the on the customer but also on the on the flow you know related to the application which kind of uh, services are being accessed which one are not uh, and then based on that you can really understand uh, in with great granularity what is in fact malicious and what is not I love that you went there because the, the, I wanted to talk to you about the signals and and it sounds like that's super important, right? To to understand what what's about to happen, what is happening, and the, the potential impact of that uh, near term and long term. Um, and you, you mentioned business continuity, and so where I want to go with you next, David, is kind of the the I guess the the, the the programming of this, the, the security program part of, of this conversation where organizations recognize they are prone, they don't know what to do about it, um, how do they take some of the first steps? So where, where are you seeing organizations coming up against some of the f- challenges in taking that first step? Um, how connected is that to business continuity and disaster recovery? Because I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is, do companies just say, this is too big of a problem for me to, to take on? Or is that a misconception? Or kind of where, where are things sitting from a preparedness perspective? How, do, how are companies moving? I would say uh, that um, we see, you know, uh, many companies which are, um, uh, say, taking the, uh, the issue with the uh, the standard approach as we discussed right you know so thinking uh, that i would say the first misconception and this is the i would say the the most uh, problematic one is to think uh, that you are not at risk <laughs> really that's the that's the thing that is uh, is uh, really impacting for the customers thinking that uh, you know they will not get DDoSed, but then when they get it it's too late right so because they have not put the, the right defenses in place and it's really too late in the sense that the damage is, is done and it's going to be very hard to recover. So the first thing is to be to bring, I would say, awareness and understand where basically uh, you are in which uh, segment, uh, knowing that, again, most of the segments are really targeted, I would say, with more or less uh, uh, magnitude. But nobody is, I would say, uh, uh, safe from a DDoS attack simply because, as we explained, this is so easy uh, to, uh, to perform. Uh, now, for these, uh, you know, companies, for example, you will have um, a ransom DDoS, which is going to be uh, uh, somebody who is going uh, to launch a, a threat. Uh, in many cases, what we have seen is that the threat actually happens. It's a small attack which is being launched. And suddenly, and this is an interesting, uh, uh, I would say, uh, reaction, this becomes uh, really a board level problem. Right? So. You know, I've been myself uh, sitting with uh, uh, several uh, customers who have, uh, in fact, contacted us. They were not customers, but contacted us because they got a ransom and they needed uh, immediate instant protection because they didn't do, unfortunately, their homework. And uh, they experienced a first attack, which was just, you know, warning sign. But already with just this small warning, they understood that they are completely not protected, although they put in place um, the standard, you know, the vinyl uh, or CD, let's call it protection, right? You know, with the uh, firewall and the ISP. And uh, and now they understand that, you know, this is not sufficient. They need to put something in place. So this is where, you know, um, the business continuity comes uh, to place. The board is involved and they need to ensure that they can handle this kind of attacks. Uh, in the case that it is uh, being, you know, uh, perpetrated, the, the massive one, which is being uh, threatened. And uh, for that, you know, we have also developed on our end, uh, I would say, emergency onboardings where we can uh, help the customers, although, again, they didn't prepare themselves, uh, I would say, uh, in the best way uh, to uh, have uh, instant onboarding to our uh, solution in order to be uh, protected. But really, uh, the recommendation is being more aware and understand, you know, what the protection do, uh, I would say, an inventory of what you have in place Look, if you have, uh, again, um, something which is uh, adapted to your needs in terms of uh, the risk and in the segment where you are, 
and define uh, the right strategy. Define as well the right processes with your uh, teams in order to have uh, you know the, the right runbooks to react and to prepare uh, accordingly. And of course, select uh, the right solution. Quick, quickly, David. I know Marco wants to jump in, but is it a dial the protection against the risk? So if the risk is high, the the protection measures dial high. Um, what what does that look like? I would say that. Uh, you, I would say, you you want to be protected uh, regardless uh, of uh, of the risk. <laughs> uh, if you if you are, uh, I would say, uh, thinking in the right way. However, you know, as I said, uh, many customers are going to uh, to think, uh, yeah, I'm not at risk, so maybe I will uh, I will do something when I when if something happens. But that's. In many cases, you know, uh, again, too late because the attack has already happened. The ransom is is one use case, as we said, because you have a warning sign, but sometimes there is no warning sign and you're already down. Right? So um, I would say that regardless of uh, what uh, you believe as a, you know, as an organization, it is really important to be well protected. And to be well protected, it has to have, you know, uh, several defense mechanisms. Not only, uh, I would say, the traditional one that everybody has, the firewall, that's okay, but that's very, very basic. But also, as I said, uh, the cloud protection to be able to uh, protect from massive attacks, uh, application firewalls as well to protect from the OS top 10. And as well, you know, uh, you discussed about the bot management. This is somehow, I would say, linked also to DDoS because DDoS are launched by botnet, so it's also very important, and the uh, API security to protect, you know, the API and microservices. So I would say that for any kind of organization which is, uh, uh, you know, looking at uh, maintaining the business continuity, and I believe that that's the case for really most of the organization, this is important not to downplay the security side. So... As we start wrapping here, I'm starting like to figure out like, is there ever gonna be the end of this? Of course, it's a rhetoric question <laughs> because there isn't. Yeah, just like the records of yeah, well, there, except there no more those, albums anywhere. That's a good thing in a way, but this one is not. But but uh, what I'm what I'm imagining, I'm gonna go back to the coordination, right? So you can coordinate a response, a readiness internally. But you as Imperva, as a company, you have tons of customers. So you see a lot of signals. Uh, you, you see what is happening. And I'm wondering, and I go back to the stock market exchange example, it's like when you see something, you know, there's some alert that's coming down. I'm wondering what kind of coordination can be done on a higher level so that kind of like an umbrella reaction, an umbrella protection between many different customers. And and if it's maybe in their own hands for private sector, I'm thinking hospitals. I mean, we, we hear about that. I'm thinking, again, supply chain. I'm thinking stuff that can eventually affect everyday people. So kind of like a look into the future of what, what you see could be improved on an overall, from an overall point of view. That's a very, very wide question, uh, Marco. I think it's um, uh, definitely, as you mentioned, the, the thing is, is not going to go away uh, simply because, again, the, the technology is continuing to evolve and the techniques will continue to evolve and uh, um, the defense technology will need also to evolve. Um, I would say that, uh, first of all, related to your first point about, uh, you know, the uh, the, the signals. This is uh, very important indeed, and that's part also, as I as I mentioned to Sean previously, um, related uh, you know to the uh, machine learning, and that's basically the uh, the, the way to leverage uh, the distribution and the global network in order to aggregate all these signals. Something that is definitely not possible, I would say, for a single customer or even for a corporate, because their uh, I would say exposure, although it's uh, it's important, but the, the data that is available related to attacks is very, very limited. While, uh, you know, when you protect uh, thousands of customers, it's uh, it's uh, something that you can leverage, in fact, to implement 
new protection mechanisms uh, in real time, but also based again on historical data in order to uh, protect the other customers, which are, you know, uh, potential uh, threats for these uh, attacks. Uh, now related to the, uh, what should we, what should we do? Um, I think that um, there is a, a need definitely uh, to make uh, DDoS a thing uh, from the past. Right? That is something uh, that is, uh, I would say, uh, our uh, mission. Uh, that's not easy, of course, uh, but that requires uh, a lot of uh, uh, new techniques uh, to implement, uh, to again, protect the, the assets of the customers. Uh, but also, you know, integration, uh, integration points. Remember that we talked about the distribution part uh, of uh, the DDoS. And it means that basically uh, the source of the attacks are more and more uh, important. And to go to Shen's point uh, a little bit, uh, I would say that before, you know, the attacks were originating from uh, specific uh, botnets and specific uh, providers. But now, due to the, uh, again, the, the change of the uh, uh, network infrastructure globally, the, the number of points of sources is uh, is incredible. That means, in fact, that uh, I would say the, the evolution of that is that the mitigation will have to run in adoption of this uh, granularity. So let's say that uh, previously, you know, if we take uh, the analogy, in fact, of um, if we can take a few seconds on that, of uh, how you, you, you basically consume your uh, services uh, streaming, like you know, Netflix, etc. Uh, I would say at the at the beginning you would have to reach out, you know, to uh, regional service regional servers, right, related to your streaming uh, video. But now, uh, you know, because of the demand, right, of these uh, services, uh, we have you know what we call edge locations, which are placed in very very uh, high granularity in you know in towns. And it's not anymore in regions, in countries, it's in towns and in specific in fact areas. So. The data uh, is available in all these uh, uh, specific uh, locations. And it means that we have infrastructure available now uh, with high granularity, which can be uh, used to uh, launch attacks. And the mitigation we need to evolve. We talked about you know, the global network with uh, tens or hundreds of points of presence. I would say that it will have to be deployed and uh, coordinated in a much wider um, scale, where we will have it, uh, you know, running at all these edge nodes, as we call it. Now, I love this this view, David, because I think that that really answers a lot of the questions I have with respect to well, how does an organization prepare themselves to be resilient in the case of, of a DDoS attack, and it's really all about demand, right? And so, what demand do you expect? What demand might you see from a malicious, malicious perspective? And how do you architect, design, build, deploy, manage, and monitor your environment in a way that meets your demand, but can also then burst and, and scale and protect from unwanted, illegitimate demand? And I think um, you, you touched on a lot of different points as well, that it's not just one, one piece of mitigation. Uh, it's not just... DDoS mitigation. It's not just an application firewall, web application firewall. It's not just API protection. It's a combination of those and some smart thinking with the folks of uh, Imperva to help uh, when, when, it's, uh, when it's right to do that. And really setting up the environment to be resilient in, in all cases. And um, I know for many, many of these uh, situations, having an understanding of what the scope is, what the trends are, what the impact might look like is super helpful uh, in preparing for these and putting a plan together and building out a program. And I know you have a report that, uh, that you put together recently on DDoS that covers some of these things, which I think would be very helpful for organizations to, to uh, digest so they can either take their current plan and say, okay, how, how do we measure up against what Imperva is seeing 
or if there is no plan, how do we how do we take those first steps to uh, to prepare and, and plan for uh, legitimate demand that we want and also the illegitimate traffic? So, I don't know. Great great conversation. We didn't we didn't stick with the music all the way through. I'm a little bummed about that, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but I, I think it's an important conversation. Um, to your point, David, if if you think you're not at risk, um, uh, think again because just just the supply chain point. Um, you're providing providing a service somewhere, and uh, if somebody can't get it, <laughs> uh, you you play a role in in the bigger picture somehow, some way. So, I don't know. Any final thoughts, David? Uh, for, for, for folks, uh, maybe a tip for how to get started or maybe something uh, from the report that you think is important that we didn't touch on yet? Uh, yes, definitely. And thanks for mentioning that, uh, Sean. There, are, there is, in fact, uh, I would say several reports. Uh, we issued uh, the latest one, uh, Q2, uh, which is available online and, you know, that uh, people can uh, read uh, and get uh, a lot of uh, very good insights related, uh, you know, to the trends on uh, application attacks, uh, um, network level attacks as well, and uh, you know, see really the, the uh, as as we exposed during this interview, you know, all the evolution and the increase basically of uh, of the problem of uh, DDoS. Uh, so I, I do believe that will be a very interesting uh, for people to uh, to look at uh, these reports. And to continue also uh, looking at these reports because they are going to be released on a continuous basis for people really to get uh, awareness and understand uh, where they are. Uh, and there are also plenty of uh, available resources, you know, on our website uh, related to uh, best practices, how to select, I uh, would say, um, the, uh, the uh, approach and uh, I would say the processes that you need to put in place to help uh, basically uh, people again uh, define a strategy around uh, business continuity and uh, for example as well you know decide to put in place a, a resiliency approach for example where you have already a, a provider and you want to have a backup solution as well this is something that we see also a, a trend coming up uh, you know uh, the, the technology again is, is really evolving and uh, we, we see now you know this massive move to the cloud cloud transformation but even the clouds also, you know, they are not uh, protected from downtimes and outages, right? So that's something that all the customers who are looking again to make sure that they have a resiliency plan and uh, business continuity need to look at and make sure that they have a safety net. Right? So this is very important, very, very important. And here it goes even beyond, as you rightly mentioned, uh, Shannon Marco, it goes beyond DDoS. It's really about how do I make sure that during uh, critical times, I can be online and can make business revenue. Right? This is very important. Um, I would say, uh, you know, especially now with the holiday uh, season, uh, shopping season coming, that's going to be a very interesting uh, period for sure. Uh, you know, we would expect an increase in the attacks now because that's going to be a, a lot, uh, I would say, uh, uh, interesting for, unfortunately, for the attackers to make some damages there. So, uh really my advice to uh, to um, uh, our auditors here is do a preparation have a look again and uh, make sure you have the right defenses in place defenses again on attacks but also uh, as i said on on uh, the you know uh, network resiliency and one additional uh, very small uh, point that i wanted to mention is uh, related also to legitimate traffic and sometimes uh, we can have, in fact, kind of DDoS, you remember, Sean, I, uh, and Marco, I mentioned about the bank. So we can have, in fact, when there is a rush, it can create, in fact, a, a good DDoS, what we call a good DDoS. So it's very important to be uh, prepared for that. Uh, in, on that end, also at Imperva, we have introduced a solution called Waiting Room, which is helping, in fact, to um, control the access uh, to the application without uh, overloading it and making it you know, unavailable. So that's very important, again, in the same story, but here we are not talking about, in fact, an attack. We are just talking about you know, massive spikes of traffic, which also needs to be handled properly in order to make sure uh, that the business continuity is achieved, your revenue 
is not impacted and the user experience is uh, very smooth. Ah, uh, yes, the false positive. Yeah, well, that's, that's another place where we could go. But I, I think you summarize it very well. In my head, I'm thinking, you know, the being prepared means to think about what could stop your business from working, right? I mean, it, it's up to you to decide what are the most relevant things that could go wrong. Even that little thing that go wrong could block your business, right? I mean, if you are a coffee shop... I think it's important that your coffee machine is going to work or you're not going to do business, right? So maybe if uh, you're connected to the internet, it does attack there. That's a problem. But also if the pipe for the water breaks, you want to be sure that you have a backup plan. Anyway. Is that uh, a DDOB, denial, distributed denial of uh, barista? I don't know. Of caffeine. I caffeine. think that's, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> anyway, great conversation. I think a lot to think about, not just from the technological aspect, but from the business aspect for being ready. And, uh, and uh, yeah, again, Sean, a lot to think about. And uh, I'm never disappointed by our conversation with Imperva. This time was with David and... Uh, we're looking forward for many, many more of this. So thank yep. you very much. And what that will in, be in the notes. Yeah, so. in the meantime, uh, links to David's profiles. You can connect with him uh, and, and have a chat with him if, if you need to learn more. Link to the report, uh, the latest one for DDoS. And of course, uh, we encourage everyone to look at all the, all the different offerings we touched on today because I think they all play a part in, in this particular scenario. So... Thanks, David, and uh, thanks, Marco, for a great, uh, great combo. I think it's time to go spin some, uh, spin some vinyl. Some vinyl, yeah. Right, and uh, start spin the vinyl and build out a DDoS anti-DDoS program. That's the plan. All right, everyone. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Marco. Really appreciate. It. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and the story made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.